This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the one-year Bible reading for February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. I also wanted to mention to you that this Bible reading is now also a podcast, if it's easier to listen than to watch, available on pretty much most podcast streaming platforms, including Apple, Google Podcasts, and uh, Spotify. So you can find me there as well. It will be the same reading that I record here. Exodus 37, starting in verse 1. Next, Bezalel made an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it inside and outside with pure gold, and he ran a molding of gold all around it. He cast four gold rings and attached them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Then he made poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. Then he made the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It was 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. He made two cherubim from hammered gold and placed them on the two ends of the atonement cover. He molded the cherubim on one end of the atonement cover, making it all of one piece of gold. The cherubim faced each other and looked down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they protected it. Then Bezalel made a table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold and ran a gold molding around the edge. He decorated it with a three-inch border all around, and he ran a gold molding along the border. Then he cast four gold rings for the table and attached them at the four corners next to the four legs. The rings were attached near the border to hold the poles that were used to carry the table. He made these poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Then he made special containers of pure gold for the table, bowls, pans, jars, and pitchers, to be used in pouring out liquid offerings. Then Bezalel made the lampstand of pure hammered gold. He made the entire lampstand and its decorations of one piece, the base, center stem, lamp cups, buds, and petals. The lampstand had six branches going out from the center stem, three on each side. Each of the six branches had three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. The center stem of the lampstand was crafted with four lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. There was an almond bud beneath each pair of branches where the six branches extended from the center stem, all made of one piece. The almond buds and branches were all of one piece with the center stem, and they were hammered from pure gold. Now, last year when I read this, and I wish I had had time to look back on this, but I studied the almond blossom because I thought there's something I need to understand here. And my recollection is, but feel free to share with me in the comments if you know this, um, that these were really the first blossoming uh, trees in uh, this part of the world. And so they were sort of a representation of the first fruits. He also made seven lamps for the lampstand, lamp snuffers and trays, all of pure gold. 
The entire lampstand, along with its accessories, was made from 75 pounds of pure gold. Then Bezalel made the incense altar of acacia wood. It was 18 inches square and 36 inches high, with horns at the corners carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. He overlaid the top, sides, and horns of the altar with pure gold, and he ran a gold molding around the entire altar. He made two gold rings and attached them on opposite sides of the altar below the gold molding to hold the carrying poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Then he made the sacred anointing oil, the fragrant incense, using the techniques of a skilled incense maker. Next, Bezalel used acacia wood to construct the square altar of burnt offering. It was seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet high. He made horns for each of its four corners so that the horns and altar were all of one piece. He overlaid the altar with bronze. Then he made all the altar utensils of bronze, the ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans. Next, he made a great bronze grating and installed it halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. He cast four rings and attached them to the corners of the bronze grating to hold the carrying poles. He made the poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. He inserted the poles through the rings on the sides of the altar. The altar was hollow and made from planks. Bezalel made the bronze wash basin and its bronze stand from bronze mirrors donated by the women who served at the entrance to the tabernacle. Then Bezalel made the courtyard, which was enclosed with curtains made of finely woven linen. On the south side, the curtains were 150 feet long. They were held up by 20 posts set securely in 20 bronze bases. He hung the curtains with silver hooks and rings. He made a similar set of curtains for the north side, 150 feet of curtains held up by 20 posts set securely in bronze bases. He hung the curtains with silver hooks and rings. The curtains on the west end of the courtyard were 75 feet long, hung with silver hooks and rings and supported by 10 posts set into 10 bases. The east end, the front, was also 75 feet long. The courtyard entrance was on the east end, flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side was 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. The curtain on the left side was also 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. All the curtains used in the courtyard were made of finely woven linen. Each post had a bronze base and all the hooks and rings were silver. The tops of the posts of the courtyard were overlaid with silver and the rings uh, to hold up the curtains were made of silver. He made the curtain for the entrance of the courtyard of finely woven linen and he decorated it with beautiful embroidery in blue, purple, and scarlet thread. It was 30 feet long and its height was seven and a half feet, just like the curtains of the courtyard walls. It was supported by four posts, each set securely in its bronze base. The tops of the posts were overlaid with silver and the hooks and rings were also made of silver. All the tent pegs used in the tabernacle and the courtyard were made of bronze. This is an inventory of the materials used in the building of the Tabernacle of the Covenant. The Levites compiled the figures as Moses directed, and Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest, served as recorder. Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He was assisted by Oholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, a craftsman expert in engraving, designing, and embroidering with blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth. 
The people brought special offerings of gold totaling 2,193 pounds as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. This gold was used throughout the tabernacle. The whole community of silver gave 7,545 pounds of silver measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. This silver came from the tax collected from each man registered in the census. The tax is one beta, which or becca, which is half a shekel, based on the sanctuary shekel. The tax was collected from 603,550 men who had reached their 20th birthday. The hundred bases for the frames of the sanctuary walls and for the posts supporting the inner curtain required 7,500 pounds of silver, about 75 pounds for each base. The remaining 45 pounds of silver was used to make the hooks and rings and to overlay the tops of the posts. The people also brought us as special offerings 5,310 pounds of bronze, which was used for casting the bases for the posts at the entrance to the tabernacle and for the bronze altar with its bronze grating and all the altar utensils. Bronze was also used to make the bases for the posts that supported the curtains around the courtyard the bases for the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard and all the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the courtyard. Matthew 20, chapter 28. We are finishing the book of Matthew today in a glorious ending. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go and quickly tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. For, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. They ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus's disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get into trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Psalm 34, we're finishing that 
today starting in verse 11. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Proverbs 9, verses 9 and 10. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And yesterday we were talking about the weaned child mentioned in Psalm 131. And we're finishing that psalm today with verse 3. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. The last verse of this psalm addresses the quality of newfound freedom that we talked about yesterday. The freedom of being able to enjoy the Lord for who he is and not what he does. Put your hope in the Lord, says the psalmist to the nation of Israel, both now and forevermore. The implication behind his words is this, come to the Lord as a weaned child comes to his mother, knowing that in him is comfort, even though some particular form of comfort may have been denied. To quote C.H. Spurgeon again, it is a blessed mark of growth out of spiritual infancy when we can forego the joys which once appeared to be essential and find our solace in him who denies them to us. Now we begin to see the key thought of this psalm, childlike trust. O Lord, you remember, rebuked his disciples. Our Lord, you remember, rebuked his disciples on one occasion because they were turning away the children, uh, parent, uh, sorry, <laughs> they were turning away the children parents were bringing to him for him to bless. Our Lord declared, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The master used a child as a model of how to accept the Christian faith, not because of a child's helplessness, but because of a child's willingness to trust. How wonderful when we come to the place where we can sing like the psalmist, I don't pretend to know it all. I am quiet now before the Lord, just as a child who is weaned from the breast. Yes, my begging has been stilled. Father, we think we understand. The meaning of life becomes plain. We are to turn away from pride. We are not to pretend we know it all. We are to trust you as a child trusts his mother. Help us now to turn the theory into fact. In Christ's name, amen. I hope you can enjoy a day of childlike faith today. Love you all. Have a wonderful day.